Hello, happy Monday. It's the final full week of episodes for this podcast before it goes into full off-season mode. I know I had the video on Saturday that went into the trades a little bit, about 12-minute video. We're going to dive more into that today. That video on the YouTube page is the most viewed um, video um, in the page's history. Um, the, well, you know, the channel has also had over 70 new subscribers in 48 hours. I can't thank everyone enough for um, just continuing to support this show and, you know, for all the, the new people, welcome. You know, I, I do this every day during the season and three days a week starting next week when it's just, you know, the free agency is basically calming down, I think, at this point. So, you know, for today's episode, we're going to dive more into the two moves that the Penguins made over the weekend. Also get into why Ron Hextall is not close to done and a couple other things for this episode, including Kasperi Kappen and filing for salary arbitration. I'll get into that, share my thoughts on that. So that's all coming up right after this drop. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter, at LO. Arsenal Penguins Day's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. As you cover this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before, that is Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, I'm fresh off just watching my beloved one, Soto, win the home run derby. Um, yeah, is there a chance that he may not be here in a couple weeks? Sure. You know, do I really care right now? Absolutely not. And I, I'm feeling probably the happiest I've been as a Nationals fan this year. I know most of the, the listeners here are probably Pirates fans, but um, you know, at least I can say that you know I've seen the Nationals win the World Series with Juan Soto, and I know there's probably some dark times ahead, but uh, that was great uh, to see him win the Derby. And I always love watching home run derby. But you know, let's get into the big acquisitions from this weekend. So Ron Hextall, you know, went wheeling and dealing. You know, he made some bold moves. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing, you know, that, what you know, for what Hextall showed me was that, you know, he was not happy with the blue line after that series against the Rangers. I think, especially because, you know, three straight games, three game to one lead, you have the leads in the elimination games, a couple of them multi-goal leads and you blow it game five against the Rangers at Madison square garden. You have them basically done with 25, 26 minutes left. I know Sid gets hurt, but you let them right back into the game. 40 minutes left in game six in Pittsburgh. You're up to nothing. Boom. Let them back into the game. Game seven, multiple times. You're up at least one goal. You lose in overtime. And, you know, sure, did you get bad goaltending in that series? Yes. But you know, I, I just don't think Hextall was happy with how his defenseman played. And, you know, that's, I think, the main reason why you saw some changes um, on the back end. I got to say, um, I did not think Mike Matheson was going to get traded this offseason. I, when I, when I saw him going back, in that trade, I was stunned. You know, he had one heck of a year for the Penguins. Um, you know, he's they're, they're probably he was their second best defenseman on the team. But you know, when you are getting someone like Jeff Petrie, who yeah is a little bit older, yeah is more expensive, but you know, he's a better player than Matheson. I I've been seeing this take on social media. You know, the Penguins subreddit, and yes, people still do go on Reddit. 
Um, I've been seeing this take that, you know, they're basically the same player and Matheson's maybe a bit better. I don't know where that is coming from. You look at the metrics for Petrie this past year on a bad Montreal team. He was the better player. Heck, he had 21 points in his final 30 games with Marty St. Louis. That was on the worst team in hockey. He's in the 97th percentile for finishing among defensemen. Only 3% of defensemen are better than him with regards to that. You know, he is an offensive machine. And, you know, think, think about this. He's going to be playing probably a lot of minutes with Evgeny Malkin. That is going to be a huge help for, you know, someone, you know, who can get him the puck, you know, pretty quickly. And, you know, someone who can also just create chances for him so that he can bury some rebounds in or, you know, just, you know, someone who can create zone exit, zone entries, excuse me, if Malkin's not able to, and then just give him the puck. Um, you know, having him on that second pair for Malkin um, is going to be massive. So, you know, Petrie, you know, he, he is still a very good player. And, you know, this is someone who was getting, you know, Norris Trophy love last season. You know, before this year when he was below 50% in shot attempts for the first time since 2014-15, last year with Montreal when they went to the Stanley Cup final, he, when he was on the ice, the Canadians had 56% of the shot attempts, 52% of the actual goals, 54% of the expected goals, 56% of the scoring chances, 54% of the high danger chances, you know, and he was, you know, still straight up in his mid thirties this year. Uh, you know, I, I kind of blame that to him being on a bad team, but you know, th this is still a very good defenseman. Um, and you look at the right side, Tang, then Petrie, then Jan Ruda, and that, I mean, that's probably arguably the best right side in the Metropolitan Division. I would actually, you know, ask people what what what, what right side of, of a defensive core is better than that one um, that the Penguins have. I would love to know from people um, which one is better. You know, the left side, obviously there's a little bit of question marks there, but man, Petrie is, he, he is legit. Um, I, I am okay with the Penguins getting out of Matheson's long-term belief. They still had, I want to say, four. I believe it's four years at $4.875 million. Um, he, I think when he was traded here, you know, he had six years left. And, you know, I, I wish Mike the best of luck. Um, I, he wasn't that good his first year, but this past year, you know, really turned it on, hit double-digit uh, goals, I think, for the first time in his career. His underlines were really good. But, you know, the biggest thing with Matheson for me is, you know, can he repeat this? In Montreal, he's going to be on a much worse team. You know, he's not going to have Tar Reardon there to really, you know, help him further his development along. I know he's going to have Marty St. Louis, who, you know, I think is going to become a really good coach in the NHL. But, you know, can he do this in an elevated role? Because I don't think Matheson is going to be getting bottom pairing minutes for the Canadians next year. They're going to probably play him on the second pairing or potentially the top pairing. Uh, I would it would not be I would not be surprised if he did play on the top pair. Um, and, and, and you know, from what I was told about the trade, I spoke to someone who is close with the team, and you all know me. I, I don't, you know, I, I poke around a little bit. I, I find out stuff um, sometimes. You know, other times I'm not able to find some stuff out. But this was I was able to confirm for you. I have a couple scoops here. You know, my, Matheson had to be in this trade if the Penguins were going to get Petrie. I was also told that the original offer for Petrie was going to be Marcus Pedersen and Teddy Bluger. Um, you know, the Penguins, I think they would have rather traded Pedersen than Matheson. Um, 
I, I think they wanted all three of Latang, Matheson, and Petrie um, on offense for their defensemen next season. And then you can have, you know, Jan Ruda, as your stay-at-home guy, Brian Dumoulin, you know, Ty Smith, if he's in the lineup, um, P.O. Joseph, you know, some of those guys can maybe be, you know, your, your stay-at-home guys, even though Ty Smith is probably an offensive guy, so that probably really, really wouldn't work. Um, and then for Bluger, you know, it sounds like to me, you know, by poking around a little bit, the organization is not that high on him. He only has one year left on his contract. Right now, I don't think he's going to be back after this coming season. Um, but that was what I was told the original offer was for Petrie. Um, it was declined. The Penguins had to, you know, make it work in another area. And, you know, to get a good player, you got to give up a pretty good piece. And the Penguins are able to do that. And I think this trade um, is going to pay huge dividends for the Penguins this year. Um you know, again, you know, going back to my first point about how Hextall was not happy with the defensive core, you know, you, you know, say let, let's go back to the game seven here against the Rangers, right? So less than six minutes to go, you're defending a three-two lead. Say it's Jeff Petrie along that wall right there with Marcus Pedersen, not John Marino. Is he going to pass the puck basically to the middle of the ice slash the slot area and basically give it to Mika Zabenejad on a, on a platter? No, he's not. He's going to rip that sucker right around the boards. And I think someone like Ben Lovejoy, um, if he were still with the Penguins, he would have done that too. You know, that was just a really, I, I still can't get over how awful that play was from Marino. I'll, I'll say it till the day I die. Um, the Pedersen helmet thing was definitely bad, but, you know, Marino's thing was worse to me. Um, and, I, and I do not think Petrie makes that mistake. And I'll say this, you know, he also – you know, he makes them a bit heavier on the back end, gives them more size. People do not want to hear this, but it's accurate. The Penguins, they were a bit soft in the defensive zone last season. They weren't that good in front of their net. They, they needed to get bigger and add more size to the back end. I love using analytics. I use them every time when I evaluate a player that comes to this team, when I'm doing season reviews and all that. But that said, you can't ignore the size and the heavy part of a defensive core. Penguins needed to get heavier, needed more size, and I think they did that um, with both moves, especially this Petrie one. And I'm really excited to see him play here in Pittsburgh. The three years times 6.25 does not concern me in the slightest. That basically um, it goes until Sidney Crosby's contract is up. At that point, Malkin only has one more year left on his contract. I think Petrie will probably just – Either he'll retire at that point or he'll potentially just walk. So, you know, I, I am not concerned about that, <clears throat> excuse me, in the slightest. So, you know, I'm a really big fan of that trade. Um, I'll be diving a little more into Ty Smith coming up here in this next segment. But, you know, I just I, I can't say good enough things about that. I was definitely caught off guard when they did trade for him. And, you know, maybe I was overvaluing Matheson for a little bit, but, you know, I, I do think the Penguins are going to come out um, as the winners of this deal, um, in my opinion. Um, so coming up here in this, in this next segment, I'm going to get into a little more about Ty Smith's game and what he can provide for the Penguins going forward. But before we get to that, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is a continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports sport, sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. You can head to the website today or use your phone to learn more about the trends in action. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. 
All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. And, of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. You know, the Penguins couldn't have made this trade without the first one, which was, of course, John Marino to the New Jersey Devils for Ty Smith um, and a pick. Uh, Marino spoke to the media today in New Jersey, and he said, you know, he basically was expecting a trade because he'd just been, you know, hearing the rumors for so long. And, you know, I, I do like Marino. I think he was a very steady presence in his own end. The biggest thing, and I said it on my on my Saturday video, the offense just never came for him. Two goals in his final 118 games. I think he only had one goal last year. I mean, that's just, that's not good enough. You know, he had a great rookie year. And I think everyone, you know, including myself, they, we were hoping that he was going to build on that. But, you know, he just, he took a step back. And I think the reality also is that this management group, Ron Hextall, Brian Burke, you know, Chris Pryor and all them, they did not hold Marino in the same stratosphere that Jim Rutherford did. Rutherford loved Marino. He would always, you know, every time he would speak to the media, you know, it, it either be on video or you're, or you're just reading it, you can just picture his eyes just growing so big when he was talking about him just because of how much he was infatuated by him and you know he, he he got him for a steal from the Oilers you know if it weren't for getting Marino Eric Goodbranson would have been on that on the team um a couple of seasons ago I remember they had to move him before the season just because he had such a great preseason and training camp but you know I, I guess when the new management come in they just they didn't see um what the last regime saw and I think that that's part of the reason why you know, the Penguins shipped him out. He still has five more years left at 4.4 million per. Um, and the Penguins entered Ty Smith, someone who, you know, he had a really good rookie season um, for the Devils. I think, I really do think people forget about that. I'm, I'm loading up his stats here um, on National Statric. You know, he was very good for the Devils you know, during the year, especially in um, the offensive zone, you know, you know, 20, he played in 48 games that season when he was on ice. The Devils had 53% shot attempts per 60, um, close to 500 in goals, but only 45% of those. About 50% of the expected goals, 52% of the scoring chances, about 50-15 high danger chances, and then high danger goals for only 41% of those. But I also chalk some of that up to the Devils just not being good. But, you know, definitely some good numbers there. But then, you know, you could fast forward to this season, only 49% of the shot attempts for the New Jersey when he was on the ice. 40% of the actual goals, 48% of the expected goals, 49% of the scoring chances. Um, you know, only 26 high danger goals for 34 high danger goals against. Um, a lot of those numbers just, you know, took a huge dip. And I think a big chunk, a good part of that is due to the devil's coaching staff, just really not doing a good enough job with him. Lindy Ruff is, you know, he's not a good coach and he also runs a completely different system than what Mike Solomon does. His is not as, you know, up-tempo, fast-paced, speed-skill um, as Sullivan's. And, you know, I think that kind of system suits Smith's game a lot more. And I think you, you there's a really good chance that you are going to see this player flourish in this system. He's definitely, I guess, a little bit of a project. He's still really young. He's on, on his ELC. I've been seeing people say that he might get sent down. And, yeah, he is waiver-exempt um, right now. Yeah, he can, I believe... Um, he needs 36 more games to have to clear waivers to be sent down to the minor league. So yes, they could send him down to Wilkesbury, but I, I personally think he's just going to make the team um, 
out of camp. And, you know, maybe it's a little foolish for me to say that right now because there's still two months to go. Um, but, I, you know, I, I do think he has enough talent and, you know, he's going to do a lot of work with Reardon and all those guys to, you know, make the team out of camp. I see him potentially playing with either Jan Rude on the third pairing or Chad Riedel, but probably um, I would say Jan Ruda. Um, and again, you know, I, I just mentioned Todd Reardon. You know, I think he's really going to work his magic again here. You know, remember when Matheson came over from Florida, his transition stats weren't that good. He was just a mess in the defensive zone. We, we all know how gifted he was with the puck, but you know, it was just a lot of the other parts of his game were just so terrible. Your underlying numbers were not that good. And then you saw the work that Reardon did with Matheson the last two years. I, I really do think we might see the same, you know, with this player and, you know, with Smith, um, you know, the Penguins, they, they don't have a, a young defenseman like this in their system. I don't think enough people realize that, you know, people will say whatever, but you no, know, he is five times the prospect slash player that P.O. Joseph is. And I, and I think P.O.J. is pretty good. But Ty Smith, you know, you look at again, I touched on this in my video on Saturday. You look at hockey prospecting and, you know, his, you know, NHL or probabilities, full comps. What's the top one? Scott Niedermeyer, one of the best defensemen of all time. The second one, Michael Delzato. You know, I don't think he'll be like him, but you know, Tyson Berry in there, Paul Coffey, Dougie Hamilton. And then you have the other comps for star probabilities, you know, 91%. He has a 91% chance of being a star defenseman in this league per this model. And it usually is pretty good when it comes to predicting success in the league. You know, the four, the five full comps, you know, Ryan Ellis, Paul Coffey, Zach Bogosian, Cam Fowler, and Brian Barrard, um, some very good company in there. And, you know, we all, we already know how good he is at moving the puck up ice has a nice shot. I'm good at taking the puck out of the defensive zone into the offensive zone. But, you know, if he can clean up some of those mistakes, um, in the offensive zone, and offensive in the defensive zone, you know he's going to be, I think, a player for this team for years to come. Uh, I am, I, I was definitely not as high on it when I initially saw the deal because I was like, wow, like this is all you're really getting from Marino. And you know, sure, could could Smith not live up to those expectations? Absolutely. I mean, you know, this he's, he's still on at ELC, for God's sakes. But I'm just telling you all like what. You know the potential for this player is he has a very good chance to be a star in this league. And hey, you know, thinking about it out loud, Chris Tang just signed his final contract. You know, could, could he be the next top defenseman for this team four years to come down the line? You know, I don't know if the Penguins are thinking about that right now because he hasn't really played a game for them yet. But you know, maybe in the back of their mind a little bit, it's like, wow, you know, maybe we just, you know found our potential next franchise defenseman, you know, from the New Jersey Devils. And again, you know, who knows if that happens? I, you know, I, I, I'm putting that out there just for kind of the sake of it, but you know, who knows, you know, I, I think if, if he does turn it around next season and, you know, is coached up a little bit and, you know, is polished up as a player, um, I think this is going to also work in the Penguins' favor. And again, you know, I really like the defensive core next season. A top four of Dumoulin, Latang, especially if Dumoulin bounces back. Pedersen, Petrie is very good, assuming Pedersen does not get moved. And then you have the potential bottom pairing of Ty Smith and Jan Ruda. And, you know, maybe you move POJ for a pick or, you know, maybe for a bottom six forward or something like that. Um, Rubido and Friedman, I would say, are probably your number seven or number eight. Um, 
But at that point, wow, just yawn. The first time he's in there, but you know, I think this has the makings of a very strong and deep defensive core. Um, and I'm really excited to see, you know, how they look for next season and you know, just overall what Mike Sullivan does um with the pairing. So that's all fine and dandy. Um, but coming up in the next M, and I'm gonna tell all of you, Ron Hextall cannot and will not be done. So stick around for that coming up here in this final segment. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Also follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So I, I saw some people were, you know, a, a bit upset on Monday morning when Hextall went on to 93.7 The Fan. I think he was with Colin Dunlap and Chris Mack, the fan morning show is like what they call it. And you know, he was asking, well, he was asked about the Ford group. And, you know, the first guy apparently he immediately mentions is Josh Archibald of all people. And, you know, whatever. I mean, that's honestly what I can say when he's just, you know, piping up the forward depth here. It doesn't matter if it's Archibald or anyone else that's currently on the team. I literally will say whatever. You know, this is, you know, we're, we're not in the Jim Rutherford days here where he's going to have everyone sit on his lap and he's going to be like, hey, what would you like for Christmas, son? <laughs> because you know he he would announce to everyone what he would do if you, if you were to ask for a wish he would grant it because that is who Rutherford is for Hextall he keeps things very close to the vest he is not going to come out and say what his plan is you know he's not going to also come out and trash the forward depth you know I think Doug Glack who's come on this show before he said it best on Twitter a couple of days ago you know Hextall said oh I like my current group about five or six times a week before they traded for Ricard Raquel. Okay, <laughs> like GMs, they say that to save face. They're not going to reveal what they're actually doing. And, you know, and they go out and make moves. I, I got to think Hextall is not happy with the four group. Work still remains for this team. Right now, in terms of their depth, they got Jeff Carter, Kenny Bluger, Brock McGinn, Josh Archibald, if he's going to be in the lineup, and he probably shouldn't because he's just a fringe NHLer, Drew O'Connor, and redeems a Horna. I mean, that's just, you know, just put it lightly, that's garbage. Uh, to, to be honest with you, I, that's just, that's not nearly enough. To, if you're relying on half of your bottom six, who are basically unknowns at this point, to all of a sudden just produce after, you know, someone like Anton Hein had 18 goals last year, Evan Rodriguez had 20. Um, you know, I'll repeat this again the Penguins still have to replace 40 goals from their bottom six next season. You know, plenty of time. To get that to happen. I'm not trying to get everyone to panic, but you know, if, if he were to go into training camp and he hasn't done anything to replace those two players, um, I think that would definitely be something you can criticize him for. I think that's honestly some malpractice, um, in my opinion. Um, you know, what I can tell you all though, from what I've been told by this same person who you know has not failed me before, is close to the team. He said to me that you know the Penguins they would like to trade for a winger for Evgeny Malkin to potentially slide Jason Zucker down the lineup you know that that's uh, that's probably the last that's the last scoop i have for you all today i don't know when i'm gonna get my next one um don't ask for them <laughs> I mean, again I, I i've probably had two scoops in my life if that while doing this show so you know i, I can try to find out stuff um at times but you know this this person dm me this without even um well this person told me this um, without even you know without even me asking um or anything so thought i would put that out there um so you know he, he cannot 
and he will not be done. At the end of the day, they have two months to go until free agency. There's some good options out until free agency, until training camp, excuse me. Jeez, I don't know what is going on with me these last couple of minutes. I feel like I'm just stumbling over my words. Um, two months to go until training camp, you know, and sometimes, you know, these deals come together a bit later in the offseason. Remember, four weeks into the 2016 offseason, you saw the Brandon Sutter plus trade for Nick Benito, you know, and that just basically came out of left field. Then they signed Eric Fair five minutes later. You know, sometimes it takes a little longer to make the trade or sign the player that you want to sign just because, you know, they're on different schedules. You got to make the money work. You know, we're five days into to the free agency and Nazem Kadri and John Klingberg haven't even signed their contracts yet. Nino Niederreiter hasn't either. And I would love for the Penguins to go after him, um, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, I, all I can say to everyone, patience. I think he's going to have something up his sleeve here. I do think they are going to make a move for a forward or two. I think they're going to add at least two more forwards to this team. And, you know, maybe one of them is bringing back Dan Heiner and Evan Rodriguez. Maybe another one is via trade, which is, you know, what I just told you. I think the Penguins, you know, they do want to get another winger for Malkin to slide Zucker down the lineup. And, you know, maybe that also involves um, one of the defensemen going out, you know, whether that's maybe Marcus Pedersen, though I don't expect that, P.O. Joseph, um, someone like that. Because I don't think they're going to go into the season with nine defensemen. I mean, you know, Hextall said it five days ago. He's like, yeah, we're probably not going to do that. Changes his mind a few days later, you know, whatever. You know, it's again, he's just, he's not going to really tell you what he is going to do. It's just basic GM speaks, basic GM speech. Take everything he says at this point with a grain of salt. So that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I appreciate all of you listening to this one let me know what you all thought in the youtube comments you can dm me on social media all that stuff um, i'll be back with another episode for you all on tuesday um so hope you all enjoyed it have a great rest of your monday and i will talk to you um on tuesday